Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Conference Championship Week. This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. I'm Adam Best with Sterling Holmes and producer Richard. I think it's safe to say that Chiefs Kingdom is back. You doing all right, Sterling? (laughs) I'm great, man. Just another year of the... Uh, Chiefs Invitational, right? The AFC Championship game, this time not at home. That's okay. Well, we've got two great guests today, and and you said it's not at home, but I'm calling it the Arrowhead Invitational Roadshow. This is is just a break. We'll be back at Arrowhead before we know it. Uh, Well, I think it's nice, actually. You know what? You got to give back to the rest of the teams, right? At least let the other fans have a chance to see the incredible performance in their home stadium. I, I think it's, it's very generous of the Chiefs, honestly. Yeah, you can't hoard the Mahomes magic. You got to spread that around, get that dust all over the nation, right? Mm, oh, yeah. Uh, before we get to our great guests, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of the conference championship. You can place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You will also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you will receive both rewards even if your first bet loses. When you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up with our code ARROWHEAD. Using our code ARROWHEAD not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use our code Arrowhead to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Man, I'm excited for today. We've got a double header. We're going to take a crash course and try to cram as much about the Ravens as we can in an hour or so. And first up, it's time to uh, welcome back friend of the show, Aaron Schatz, the creator of DVOA and Chiefs Analytics Officer of the FTN Network. Aaron, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm here to talk Chief As the Chief Analytics Officer, I'm here to talk Chiefs. <laughs> we love it. We felt like we could have picked your brain for another half an hour last week or whatever, two weeks ago, I think it was. So that's what we're here to do. And uh, let's crack open that six pack. So having tracked the Chiefs and Ravens and the NFL writ large, what are your initial thoughts about this championship game? You're not going to like what I have to say, but let me start with something you are going to like, which is I think the Chiefs were underrated in the regular season. I think people overstated the amount that their offense fell off. Like there's no question the offense declined more in the second half of the season, and they had a little bit more problems in the second half of the season. But this was still a top 10 offense. I think people were talking like this team couldn't play offense anymore. Like they're still a pretty good offense combined with a pretty good defense and pretty good special teams. Here's the problem. The Ravens have a great offense combined with a great defense and pretty good special teams. The Ravens are better than the Chiefs this year in all three phases. They just were during the regular season. And there's no question that great teams do get upset in the playoffs. It happens. And the Chiefs are a pretty good team. And that's, you know, to have a chance to win this game, especially given Mahomes, you know, his playoff record is outstanding. But the Ravens are just better and are properly favored in this game. In fact, I honestly don't think the line is as large as it should be 
given the difference between these teams in the regular season. Well, just sticking with the Ravens and, and DVOA and how hot they've been all season long, what have been a few factors that make the Ravens so special? So the biggest thing that makes the Ravens special is the dominating wins over good opponents, right? The thing that does the most to mark a great team in the NFL is not close wins over good opponents. What matters most is dominating wins even over bad opponents. But what's even better than that is dominating wins over good opponents. And they have seven wins over winning teams by 14 or more points. It's kind of nuts. And they are good at everything. The Ravens are a top five pass offense, run offense, pass defense, run defense, and special teams. Top five in all five categories. When it comes to DVOA and how good they've been in every single category, what I find at least a little interesting, and maybe it's just because it's the Chiefs in the playoffs, but Buffalo was the better team than KC, according to DVOA, in all three of those postseason games, yet the Bills lost all three times. Why do you think that is? Is it the Bills choking? Is it Mahomes' magic shining through? What, what what can you tell us more about this? I mean, three games is not really enough to build a trend on. Each game has its own circumstances. Certainly Mahomes playing very well is a big part of it. Um, in this last game, the injuries for Buffalo were a big part of it. And the difference between the two teams was not large. The Bills were the better team, but they were the better team by like this much, right? Like not that much. Uh, and when you add in the injuries right? The the Chiefs spammed 12 and 13 personnel. The Bills were down to A.J. Klein and random dudes at linebacker, and they got screwed. (laughs) And Mahomes is special. See, here's my feeling about the Mahomes magic. The first is the Mahomes magic this year is one game, right? Now, partly because of the cold, but still, the Chiefs' offensive DVOA against Miami was zero, exactly average. It was their defense that played really well against the Dolphins. It was their offense that played really well against the Bills. But it's not like this has been a few weeks of their offense turning it on. The other thing is, I think Mahomes has magic. I just don't know whether everybody else does. Like, do you trust Marquez Valdez-Scantling to catch those deep balls for two games in a row? That kind of a question. It's not that I don't trust Mahomes to throw them. I trust Mahomes to throw them. Yeah, well, this is a perfect segue because you jokingly coined the term the Patrick Mahomes is magic in the playoffs variable. Does he make it hard to feel confident in your projections about this current Chiefs team? I mean, a little bit. But again, what I'm saying is I I think Mahomes is magic. I just don't know if his teammates are. Right? Like, I think Mahomes is very special. There's no question that he plays best. There have been tons of charts about it. Like, this year... The Chiefs were not a great team in third and long. But historically, Mahomes has always been really good in third and long. Like, the more you expect him to pass, the better Mahomes is. Like, against great competition, Mahomes is great. Like, he's amazingly special. Um, But the problem is someone has to get open and someone has to catch the ball. It's not enough for Mahomes to just do special things on his own. Yeah, so Mahomes easily led QBs in D-Y-A-R last week. Can we get you to explain what that means? And do you think that that coincides with maybe Travis Kelsey taking a week off, looking a little healthier, more like himself? Yeah, I mean, D-Y-A-R is defense-adjusted yards above replacement. It's essentially the total version of DVOA, where you do more. If you do more, you get a higher number as long as you're a good, have a good day. So he had the best day of any quarterback last week. And I think, but it does not adjust for like how open your receivers are. It doesn't adjust for, you know, how, how injured the other team is when it does defensive adjustment, right? Obviously it adjusts him for playing a good defense in Buffalo, but it doesn't know that they had so many injuries. Uh, Kelsey was super open. Uh, Some rest may have definitely helped with that, but the status of the Bills linebackers also definitely helped with that. And now you're going up against Kyle Hamilton and Roquan Smith instead of AJ Klein. Uh, But I think Kelsey was still good this year. Like um, Kelsey in our stats was the second best tight end in the league this year behind um, George Kittle. 
Do you want to smart lock a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. I want to bring up Lamar Jackson for a moment here. We've talked a lot about Mahomes and what he obviously brings to the table. Lamar Jackson's had a very good season passing the ball this year. I think the whole uh, it's a glorified running back excuse has finally met its maker because Lamar has been very effective. Finally, mm -hmm. that can hopefully get put to rest. But against the Texans, he really only had one good half. And I guess if you are the Chiefs, you kind of got to pick your poison here, right? You're probably going to try and stop the run and you will try and live with Lamar passing the ball. How do you think Lamar handles this Chiefs defense with the incredible secondary they possess, as well as the fact that Steve Spagnuolo is just phenomenal at drawing up different pressures? It's not an incredible secondary. It's a good secondary. Legereus oh. Sneed was fantastic this year. Oh, but, McDuffie too. Come on, Aaron. McDuffie, McDuffie was good, but by nine, my, my numbers, McDuffie was not as good as the All-Pro uh, uh, that he won. Um, uh, and, you know, Williams is, is good and um, Watson is good, but not they're not, like, spectacular. Um, I think that the running is going to be interesting because Kansas City had so much troubles with the run. Like, they can try to get everybody up to stop the run. But I'm not even sure if then they're going to be able to stop the run. Like they were 27th in run defense DVOA this year, and they were particularly susceptible to power concepts, right? They were not good against power with the pulling guard and stuff. And the Ravens were great running power and great running up the middle, which is where the Chiefs had the biggest problems against the run. Now, as far as the pass goes, I mean, they're going to have Andrews back probably, although likely was very good this year. Um. Sneed shuts down the number one receiver, uh, but I don't know who the number one receiver is. Plus, I think it would make more sense for the Chiefs to play more zone. You don't want to play man and turn your back on Lamar Jackson because he'll kill you with scrambles. And if they play zone, it's harder to set Sneed up against a specific receiver. Once you're playing zone, it's, it's, Sneed is just in his zone. 
When it comes to blitzing, I have a, a few questions here because Lamar obviously is so mobile. He's great, but they were 24th in sack rate this year, Lamar Jackson at quarterback, right? For a team that does not throw the ball a lot, you won't see the actual sack numbers be spectacular in the box score. But when it comes to actual sack rate, he can be brought down. Well, the Chiefs, on the other hand, were number one in the NFL as far as bringing down the quarterback. Um, do you expect to see a lot of design blitzes? Or, yes. or Okay. Okay, so first of all, here's a crazy stat, because normally you think the best thing is to pressure a guy with four. Then you can drop seven into coverage. The Ravens this year, when there was pass pressure but no blitz, 8.7 net yards per pass. Like, that's crazy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Now, on the other hand, okay, Lamar Jackson this year, without a blitz, 7.2. With a blitz, 5.6. Chiefs defense without a blitz, 5.4. With a blitz, 4.6. So, yes, Spagnolo's got to get in his bag and bring the blitz. That is definitely the way to slow down the Ravens' passing game. No question about it. Yeah. I think Chiefs fans are so accustomed to teams not blitzing that they think it's a league-wide trend, and I think to some extent it is. But Lamar is – he doesn't handle the blitz as well as Mahomes. It's interesting because his numbers against the blitz have gone up and down. Last year, he was good against it. The year before, he was bad against it. If you look at the last four or five years in general, he's generally better without a blitz. And yes, Mahomes is super – this year, Mahomes was the same with and without a blitz. But in general, historically, the rule is don't blitz Mahomes. Don't blitz him. And the Ravens were low in blitz rates. So they're not a heavy blitzing team, even though they are a 3-4 defense. I want to pick your brain on something else you hit on, and that's the the Ravens running game being so good up the middle. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you look at the running back personnel, but I think it's just the scheme because they've lost J.K. Dobbins. They've lost Keaton Mitchell, and it's almost like you could plug someone off the street in there and they'd still excel. It's the scheme. It's the blocking. It's Lamar himself, right? Because mobile quarterbacks, and by the way, Patrick Mahomes counts a little bit for this too, uh, You know, not as much as guys who run more designed runs. But the mobile quarterback, there's always the possibility they're going to keep the ball. So that sort of freezes the defense a little bit. So historically, running backs are more efficient if they have a mobile quarterback on their team. So it's like Lamar Jackson opens things up for the other for the other players, for Gus Edwards and, and, uh, and Justice Hill. Is that like the, uh, the RG3 Alfred Morris thing we saw back yeah. in the day? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> All right, let's get into some uh, some more historical talk here because you are the rare NFL expert that has the data to give us quality historical context. Just how rare and improbable is this six-year Chiefs run? Oh, my God, it's really good. I mean, um, <laughs> they have averaged uh, – the average DVOA over the six years is over 25%. The only other franchises that have done that are the 49ers in the 80s, the Cowboys in the 90s, and then the Patriots. <laughs> Like, this is a run of regular seasons that is up there with the best dynasties in the NFL. It's just that the championships came separate, right? They, they didn't win two in a row. They won two separated by a couple of years. But the regular seasons have been up there with all the best dynasties. So it's a dynasty? Or one I mean, more championship. So that's the, the, the que- you have to ask, like, what is a dynasty? What, how do we define a dynasty? Does it only mean winning titles or is it all your good seasons? If good seasons in a row defines a dynasty, then yes, it absolutely is. If it's championships in a row that define a dynasty, then no, because they only won two of them and they're separated. So for the sake of this question, let's just say the Chiefs beat the Ravens this weekend. Which NFC team would KC want to see in the Super Bowl? The First of all, let me let me just say to the to the watchers and listeners, like I am not saying the Chiefs have no chance. <laughs> the Chiefs have a nice chance, uh, certainly a better chance than say the 2007 Giants had, and they won the game in the Super Bowl, right? So, like, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are a pretty good team. Like, I'm I'm not like discounting them. I just think Chiefs fans need to understand just how good the Ravens were this year. Uh, if the Chiefs do beat the Ravens, though, if they pull the upset, you want the Lions. Okay, so the Ravens were the fifth best team in the regular season in the history of DVOA, going back to 1981. Fifth best. The 49ers were the eighth 
best team going mm. back to 1981. The Lions were not that. <laughs> and by the way, the weakest part of the Lions is pass defense, and you have Patrick Mahomes. Trust me, if you make it to the Super Bowl, you want Detroit. I I love what you're bringing up, and I'm so glad DVOA and what you've created has helped match what it feels like a lot of folks, myself included, have been watching all season long, especially with the Ravens. Um, even when they had their struggles this year earlier on, you could tell that they were about to pop off. I do think the... Um, addition of Todd Munkin as the OC was one of the biggest, maybe the most underrated storylines of the entire offseason because their offense has completely evolved. It has changed. I know everyone wants to focus on Lamar Jackson in the playoffs and the Ravens choking. Now, again, I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't going to win this game, but we can't just sit here and say this is the exact same Ravens team we have seen in the past few seasons. Yeah. And I'm so glad DVOA, again, using what you have created shows this. It's so Here's different. what you didn't have on the Ravens the last couple of times you played them. Two things. One, Todd Monken. Two, Roquan Smith. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I can add a few others. You didn't have Kyle Hamilton. Didn't have Zay Flowers. But the big ones are Roquan Smith in the middle of that defense and Todd Monken to run the offense. Like, this is definitely a, a better Baltimore team. Now, listen, uh, Baltimore is the hottest team ever going into the conference championships by my weighted formula, which weights more recent games with more weight. Of the 14 hottest teams before this, 10 of them won the Super Bowl, but four of them did not. So it's not like they're guaranteed to win it. Like, you know, like the Chiefs absolutely are going to go out there and play their hardest, and they're a very good team with an incredible, probably the best quarterback who's ever lived from a peak perspective, not from a career perspective yet, give it a few more years, but from a peak <laughs> perspective. So they're going to go out there and play hard and they're going to go out there with great players. And I mean, they have a shot. There's no question about it, but the Ravens are real good. The Ravens are real good. We were not saying this about the Eagles last year. Nobody was saying about the Eagles last year that they were this good. No way. Can I ask you a question about how dominant the Ravens have been? Maybe try to poke some holes in this. I don't know if they'll be successful, but the games I remember where they really ran up the score, Detroit uh, and uh, the Niners, Mi honestly. Miami and the Niners. I don't think these are the kind of quarterbacks that you want to, you know, have be one dimensional and fall behind. Does Patrick Mahomes present an entirely different, you know, combination of skills than those guys? Patrick Mahomes presents an entirely different combination of skills than anybody who's ever lived, right? right. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, don't, you know, let's not go comparing him to Jared Goff like happily, but, um, you know, they whipped C.J. Stroud. They whipped Geno Smith. Um, they whipped Tua Tagovailoa. They whipped Brock Purdy. They just won big, and uh, for the most part in those games, they shut it down in the fourth quarter or they could have won even bigger. There's one in there. I can't remember if it's I think it's Miami where they had a lot of fourth quarter scoring. But for the most part, they shut it down in the fourth quarter. What happened with that Rams game? That one is a very curious outcome to me. The same thing that happened to the 49ers last week, which is that sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed that week and the other team just schemes you good and you just don't and you just don't get it done. So we want and that Ravens that, team. And that could happen this week. I mean, that could happen this week. There's just natural variation. Any athlete has natural variation in their play, and any team has natural variation in their play. And that's mostly what happened that week was they just didn't play as well as they usually do. Well, Aaron, we thank you so much for coming on again. This has been incredibly insightful. Uh, we look forward to having you back. Yeah, I'll see you in Vegas. If uh, the Chiefs make it there, you guys can dance on my grave. Feel free to. Although, I mean, if they play the 49ers, we're going to go through the same thing again with the 49ers because the 49ers are almost as good as the Ravens this year. Yeah. Uh, see you in Vegas, Aaron. I can't wait right. to talk to you, man. Again, always appreciate all of your insight. Man, um, 
I, I know folks don't like to hear it again. This is a, a, a Chiefs-centric podcast, obviously. We're not saying the Chiefs can't win, and obviously the game is not played on paper, but getting a little bit more of a context, a little bit a little bit more of a understanding about some of the numbers of what has transpired throughout the season, um, it's always useful, and it's always something that we like to do. So I love Aaron. DVOA is a great, great tool. Great, um, one of my favorite uh, statistics overall. So um, really glad that Aaron came on uh, again two times in about three weeks. What I do find interesting in regards to Patrick Mahomes is he doesn't have bad games, especially against great defenses. And he mentioned this as far as the Mahomes magic does make it a little difficult because when he plays great defenses, you know he's going to play better. He steps up. That does not affect him. The issue is the tertiary guys, the MVSs, the Justin Watsons, the McCole Hardmans, uh, the Kadarius Tony. if he plays, the Sky Moore if he plays. That's what it comes down to. And again, he's not saying the Chiefs won't win. He's just saying it would be. And if you look at the line in Vegas, which guess what, y'all? Vegas ain't in the business of losing money. This would be an upset. The Chiefs, by the way, just upset the Bills. They're the villains now. And quite frankly, as we could tell from that Chiefs victory over the Bills, they relish and love being the villain. They love being the underdog. Because how often in the Mahomes era have we actually seen the Mahomes-led team be an underdog? Not often. This is almost fun for them. Yeah, never really in the ASC side of the playoffs, that's for certain. Got a theory I want to throw at you. And it's regular season for the Chiefs, especially at this point versus the postseason version. And if you think about the Chiefs and what they become and how sick of everybody is of the Chiefs, I think that when the schedule comes out, all these other teams circle that game in red marker and they bring everything they have. That is the game they want to win more than anything else. That is the game they get the most fired up for. That is the game where they know they have to be on it more than any other time. And the Chiefs sometimes have trouble matching that energy level matching that motivational level. You know, they've played so many games over the years, so many big games. But when it comes to the post the postseason, th- there's no there's no edge there for these other teams. I think there's a little bit of that. When we talk about flipping the switch, it's also that the Chiefs are the hunted. And I think that factor goes away a little bit in the postseason. Yeah. No, a hundred percent agree. And um I think what's interesting is Lamar Jackson against this Chiefs defense. Like, obviously, I get where he's coming from in blowouts, but what I I don't value blowouts as much as the majority of people because a lot of times when team gets down, when they when they're they're out of the game early, you you can see a tendency to to crumble. This Chiefs team will not do it. They've been down twenty four nothing in a playoff game. They came back and won. So I'm also sitting here going. If the Chiefs get a lead, I like where they come from. But if the Chiefs get behind, that also does not scare me. There's multiple ways for the Chiefs, in my opinion, to win this game, even with the great defense that, again, at all three levels, the Ravens possess. Yeah, and that's with the blowout factor. That's what I was getting to when I talked about Jared Goff and Brock Purdy and and Tua Tungo Viola, that um, they're good quarterbacks. But I think they're good quarterbacks when everything around them is perfect. When things start to crumble around them, uh, you know, those guys aren't the quarterbacks you want to put the entire game on their shoulders. They're not these guys that are going to give you the fourth quarter heroics and put a team on their back. I know Brock Purdy technically had a game-winning drive, but it didn't feel like he was single-handedly dragging his team across the finish line. That's what Patrick Mahomes did, does, did, does, will do. And I think the uh, Ravens are going to have to be on their their very best to beat him. Uh, it, but it sounds like they're as healthy as they've been. I know they're going to be a very motivated team. And we've got a great guest to come talk to us about this team from a Baltimore Ravens perspective. Uh, let's bring him on, Richard. Antonio Barbera of the Pod Like a Raven podcast. Did I get that right, Antonio? Yes, you did. Thanks, okay. uh, thanks for having great. me on. Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks to for being here. You have to be very excited. Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, 
it's been a, it's been a few seasons where we've been waiting for for an opportunity like this one, and it's it's finally here. So as as a Ravens fan, certainly. Well, this particular group of hosts, we are very high on you in in the preseason. I think one of my predictions was uh, Lamar was going to be talked about in the top three or four quarterbacks, and that you guys were going to win the uh, AFC North, and that is. That's what uh, happened and transpired. And as uh, a fan base that isn't too fond of the Cincinnati Bengals, before before we go to war, we have to at least thank you for vanquishing them. You're welcome. Uh, you're, you know, it was a, a, good, a good season to uh, kind of have a healthy squad throughout the year to be able to accomplish what the team wanted to and, and, and take, a, take an AFC North title, which uh, was obviously very, very beneficial. Well, we have six questions for you, so let's crack open that six-pack. First off, what was it like to see Lamar Jackson sort of exercise those playoff demons and uh, silence the haters? So the first thing I'll say is the playoff issues seem like a red flag at first glance. He was one in three as a starter coming into this year. But when you look a little deeper, it's not really as glaring, at least in my opinion. He, he loses in 2018 as a rookie who became the starter halfway through the season, and they lose that game by one score. In 2019, he has the bad loss to the Titans, but individually, uh, he, he puts up more than 500 yards of, of total offense. They had a few bad turnovers and fourth down stops, and the defense really struggled. Then in 2020, he beats the Titans on the road, uh, loses to the Bills in a game that had crazy wind. Justin Tucker misses two field goals. The, even the Bills offense only scores 10 points. But Jackson has a bad pick six on the goal line, and a 10-3 game finishes 17-3. So, of course, some of this falls on his shoulders, but there wasn't this big fear of, oh, he can't win when it matters. It was more of a, before we get uh, uh, you know serious about them being a Super Bowl contender, we need to see a convincing performance in a postseason game. Uh, and they certainly, they certainly got that last week. So at this point, it's, it's all systems, all systems go. Mm. Uh, some big news is that uh, the All-Pro guard Joe Tooney for the Kansas City Chiefs might not play. Looks like it might be backup Nick Allegretti. Uh, the Ravens' defensive line's been pretty damn good all season long. How do you think they would try to attack the Chiefs, especially with their issues at tackle and then now potentially without their All-Pro left guard? Yeah. So one thing right off the bat here is that the Ravens' sack leader is not an edge rusher. It's Justin Metabike an interior lineman who wreaks havoc, eats double teams, collapses the pocket. He has 13 sacks this season. He is going to match up against the interior of that line and try to feast on a backup. But the bigger strength of the Ravens pass rush has not been individual dominance, but rather simulated pressure, uh, rushing only four with consistency, but confusing offenses on who's coming on each play. So the communication on blocking assignments will have to be perfect and a backup stepping in for an all-pro, the Ravens will certainly attack that spot with confusing looks. Yeah, we're certainly worried about it. Nick Allegretti is a good backup, and he plays, luckily, next to, to Creed Humphrey. But also, Joe Tooney is such an anchor, such a rock on that, on that line. And there's still a chance he might play. He might put a harness on, on himself, get some medicine in that thing, and and see what he can do. He's a this, psycho. He played with a broken hand I, as an I, offensive I, lineman. Like, right, right. What, what do offensive linemen use to block? Surprisingly, their their hands. Like that dude is a friendly cyborg. I do they not also use their chest. And he may be an android, but he he needs that pectoral muscle. Uh, but it also will affect Donovan Smith, who isn't the best member of that line. I don't want to say he's he's the weakest link, but he might be. And not having Joe Tooney there. How will that affect kind of the edge rushers for the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, they made two great late additions with Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney. Clowney, they got in August. Van Noy, I believe a month into the season. So yeah, it was at least four to five weeks into the season. And each of them have nine sacks. Clowney with nine and a half. They stepped in. That was a major hole that the Ravens defense had going into the, through the offseason, really. Um, and even entering August, September, it was who, who was going to step up? How much can they get from Odafe Owe? Uh, he was going to have to really step into these, these giant shoes as an edge rusher. And instead, the productivity has really come from these two veterans. So th they are going to be uh, a force uh, as well. Late career renaissance has been impressive from both of those guys. So linebacker Roquan Smith called this matchup elite defense versus elite quarterback. Can the Ravens D slow down the Mahomes magic that 
let's face it, kind of feels inevitable this time of year. You, you put the word slow down in that question instead of stop, and that's 100% correct. Mahomes is going to do stuff. He is going to move the ball. He's going to convert third downs, and he's going to have two runs that don't make any sense. But the Ravens have done three things defensively at an elite level. They are first in the NFL in sacks. They're first in the NFL at forcing turnovers, and they led the league in points against. What they did give up was yards, and they're going to be okay with that. They're going to be okay with allowing some yards, allowing first downs, but eventually making some big plays, turning the ball over, getting drive-ending sacks, getting pressure without having to blitz Mahomes, and maybe most importantly, getting red zone stops. If they can force the Chiefs into a few red zone field goals, I, I think that'll be a, a really tough tough spot for, for Kansas City to, to uh, still come out with a, a victory. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. The Chiefs will do that to themselves. Don't, don't worry. They'll, they'll stop themselves when it comes down to red zone stuff. We, we, we've seen that time and time again this season. Um, as far as the defense for the Ravens is concerned, an interesting matchup I'm looking at is Kyle Hamilton against Travis Kelsey. You know, Kyle Hamilton, we like to think of Justin Reed over here in Chiefs Kingdom as a bigger bodied safety, 6'1", 207. Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 220. Is that a matchup that you think we'll see a lot of Kyle Hamilton on Kelsey? Or how do you think the Ravens try and slow down what, again, has been a great season? Uh, again, it's not quite the the Kelsey season we're used to seeing. But again, he sat out week 18 and he's looked healthier as the playoffs have rolled around. What are you expecting the Ravens to do? Yeah, you you guys know the the Kelsey stuff better than I. It's been, a, from my perspective, an odd season for him where there were stretches where it seemed like maybe he'd lost half a step. Uh, and then he has big games, has big catches or touchdowns in big spots. Obviously, he's had... Uh, tremendous success in the playoff. Just got, you know, just a resurgence for him, right? Just at the right, just in time, just at the right moment. Kyle Hamilton will be there for sure. He has had an incredible, uh, an incredible season uh, already. It just as a second year guy, I think they're going to mix and match. I don't view it as a Kyle Hamilton fo- follows him across the formation. He'll be there in some spots, but I think it's, it's going to be more of, of getting everybody on, on the same page, everybody doing their, their role uh, and kind of letting, letting the plays come to them. Uh, a storyline for the Ravens, it feels like over the past few seasons, they've been fairly unlucky at the wrong time in regards to injuries. Uh, what's the injury update in regards to Mark Andrews, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Staley? Obviously, uh, Mitchell, your young running back, tore his ACL when was it, week 17. He was looking explosive. J.K. Dobbins toured early on as well. Just what's the injury look like from the Ravens' perspective here? There's some, you know, uh, John Harbaugh, head coach, he is very uh, difficult to read in terms of what's what's going on with who will play and who won't play. We have teased uh, teased that a lot on Pod Like a Raven. We had a section for a few weeks that we called Harbaugh quotes where I would throw a few of quotes that he actually had said in a press conference and one that I just made up. And my co-host had to guess which one was which one was the made up one. And they struggled with that because he is very cagey about these things. Mark Andrews. I really don't know. He practiced last week. It looked like he was on track to play and then did not. So it's difficult. Even if he practices this week, it's tough to know for sure. The Humphrey stuff is probably a little bit more direct. He did not practice last week. If you see him having some limited practices and then maybe trending upward upward by Friday, he he will play. Stanley is going to be there. Um, but But weathering the storm this year, the main reason has been that they prioritize depth in the offseason, and they've tried to do this a few offseasons in a row. They had multiple years of just decimated secondaries. So this past offseason, they signed Ronald Darby, Arthur Millette, uh, Rock Yassin, and they've all had small roles on this defense. A year or so ago, they re-signed Patrick McCarry, an offensive lineman, for pretty good money as a sixth offensive lineman because he's really able to play every spot uh, along that offensive line. Uh, even in the past few games, they've actually had him come in for a few drives just to spell the left and the right tackle to keep them fresh, which, which has worked out really well. And then there's the standout uh, has been tight end Isaiah likely. Uh, he was a guy last year as a rookie who, who splashed in the preseason and became this, uh, you know, watch out for this mid round rookie. No one knows about. And then he really didn't have too much success at that rookie year because he was a backup to, to an all-pro tight end. But this year, you get the Andrews injury and likely was ready to go. Uh, and he's been, he's been 
just about a like for like replacement. So it's just been really sound uh, off season roster building by, by the GM, Eric DaCosta uh, to create the, the sustained success that they've had this season. And I think there's some similarities in these two teams and the way they built their rosters, uh, the general managers, because our previous guest was saying, well, the chiefs, they beat a decimated, uh, decimated uh, bills, defense, a decimated dolphins uh, defense. Well, part of that and the chiefs staying healthy and the Ravens having enough guys to get to this point is prioritizing depth. I mean, that's why uh, you guys probably sent Orlando Brown jr. To us. And that's why we sent Tyree kill to the Miami dolphins. You know, you have to, a lot of this time of year comes down to to not only who's hot, but also who's healthy. Yeah, I mean, if we look for the from a Ravens perspective. Last season, they lose Lamar Jackson for uh, almost the second half of the season. They were a, a top team. They still were a playoff team, and they had to have uh, a matchup in in Cincinnati with a backup quarterback with Tyler Huntley, and still almost won the game. So you, we've been saying for weeks we're really. The most important healthy player is the quarterback, but then after that, having yeah, being able to just be fortunate with, with some of it, obviously, but also building uh, building a roster that if you have a guy go down, like Andrews, for example, the tight end position wasn't just you know a, a giant question mark. You had another player there ready to go. You guys should have beaten them because on that ninety nine yard touchdown or whatever it was, Mark Andrews got blocked in the back. Uh, I, I know we're not like huge Bengals fans around here, but. We didn't have anything to gain from from that situation. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I was on. Talk, we I, we try not to talk about that play actually uh, as, as little <laughs> as little oh, as we can. But you're right; there probably was a block in the back. Yeah. Well, let's talk corners versus receivers. Lejarius Steen and Trent McDuffie have been outstanding this year. Probably the best corner duo in the league. How did the Baltimore receivers match up? Yeah, uh, I love those two guys. They absolutely are going to be a challenge. The best answer I can give here is that that strength is really not something that the Ravens, I think, will be worrying too much about because that's just not the position that they really attack. It's not really how they operate. They're not a team where their top receivers get 10 to 12 targets a game. Zay Flowers is their number one guy, averages about six to seven targets a game, which includes the bubble screens and the, the quick stuff like that then that number goes down drastically with their other receivers. They just do a really nice job of spreading things around. The tight ends are going to get six to seven targets. The running backs are going to get six targets. And Jackson only gets to about 25, 30 attempts per game because of what he's going to do running. Now, if the Chiefs can get going early and it's 14-0 in the first quarter, that's when things could change. That's when Jackson will be throwing more often. He's going to be trying to push the ball more downfield. And that's when those two corners can 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 really thrive. Isn't that the optimal way to to like face you guys to survive the onslaught that is this Ravens team? Because I feel like if you get way behind the Ravens, you're dead. But if you get a little bit of a lead and force them a little bit away from their identity, I think you have more of a fighting chance. Yeah, it's it's interesting. In a few games this season, John Harbaugh, every time he wins the toss, he defers and wants the ball in the second half. There have been a few games against tough opponents where they've won the toss and elected to receive to start the game, probably because they know how important it is, especially against top teams, to get a lead, to be able to to have that first punch uh, and play the game they want to play. I would not be shocked if they did that in this game. You know, we're talking about a coin toss here, but you're exactly right, especially against a top opponent. I wouldn't be shocked if if they wanted the ball first to to kind of just establish uh, what kind of team they want to be. But Against the 49ers, they, they struggled early. They fell behind a little bit. Some stuff looked ugly, and then they figured it out on the road in that, in that game against a top opponent. So they've, they've really just been, been solid, been solid in, in a, lot of, a lot of different areas. Yeah, sticking with this theme here for a moment, you guys, the Ravens, throw the ball the 32nd most in the NFL. It's they actually run more than they pass, which in 2023, 2024 is absolutely absurd. We're going back to the 70s and 60s now talking about that, that sort of game plan, that kind of balance. But the Ravens and Lamar Jackson can be sacked. Before you came on, I brought up the statistic that they're 24th in sack rate in the NFL. Not great for the Ravens and Lamar. 
for a guy as shifty as he is, he can be brought down the Chiefs when they come after the quarterback. Uh, they're actually number one in the NFL in sack rate. But Lamar Jackson, when given time, I think it was 3.1 seconds, is like 16 and two or 18 and two in his career when he passes or has more than 3.1 seconds to throw. So clearly in this game, if the Chiefs want to win, they have to get pressure on Lamar and get it early. How worried are you about the offensive line in Lamar? either A, holding onto the ball too long or getting set behind the sticks? Because for me, that's a massive key. Yeah, that is a massive uh, a massive thing that they're going to have to deal with. I- I'm not as concerned with the Ravens offensively on the offensive line. Jackson has been known to hold the ball, especially in situations where they're down a little bit and he's trying to, you feel it a little bit. He's trying to press. He's trying to make too many plays. Josh Allening, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what they have done better this season specifically, and they even did it within the game against the Texans uh, with the new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, is get the ball out fast. They've tried to do that in, in stretches. Jackson got sacked a few times in the first half of that Texans game, and you looked at the, the kind of snap-to-pass time, and I think it, it was like three and a half seconds or something like that. They go into halftime, they come out in the second half, the number goes down by more than a second uh, in terms of the average per play. And all of a sudden the offense is rolling and they, they score 24 points in the second half of that game. So they've been able to adjust when these issues arise. Uh, and that's, that's what they'll have to do. They will probably look to just start the game at two and a half seconds, you know, even less than that and getting the ball out and not have to, not have to uh, adjust, but um, they, they've certainly shown that they can make the adjustments when, when needed. I've got sort of a related question for you, and that's what do you think of Baltimore's ability to sustain drives? Because in the playoffs for the Chiefs during the Mahomes era, when they're given trouble, it's usually, especially in the first half, teams keep Mahomes off the field. And you see a real discrepancy between time of possession. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. The Ravens have had with all their offensive success, they've had stretches where they will have four three and outs in a row and Jackson is sitting on the sidelines looking around like what is going on. Their ability to sustain drives starts and ends with the run game. They they need to get 3 or 4 yards on first down, 3 or 4 yards on second down and then on third down be able to to, you know, open up the playbook and and do everything. They've had some issues other seasons with leads, you know, f- closing games out, uh, have getting that sustained drive, uh, say with six to eight minutes left in, in a fourth quarter when they're up a score. They've been a little bit better about that this year, just with a little more creativity in, in what the offense, uh, what the offensive game plan looks like. And Jackson's just been a better decision maker. He, he's just done the right. He has a bit more freedom to, to change plays at the line compared to other seasons. He's done that. Uh, here and there. So it's just, it's a lot, a lot on his shoulders uh, of, of having to have that drive when you need to need to have it staying on the field uh, when, you know, Mahomes has had three drives in a row where uh, he's spinning and throwing the ball left-handed and you know, all, all that stuff. So it, it's going to, it's going to need to happen. And it really all, all comes down to, to Jackson. When it comes down to an X factor on the Ravens, a under the radar type of player, can you give us one on both offense and defense as well as your final score prediction? I can't wait for you to piss off a whole bunch of people. They're oh going to be in your mentions. They're going to be coming after you, kind of like a flock of Ravens. For the look for the under the radar player, I want to say Isaiah Likely, but I feel like he's overperformed uh, for that designation. So I'm going to say Justice Hill. Uh, the running back. Gus Edwards is their starter. He's the goal line back. He gets the tough yards. Jackson is going to do the flashy stuff on the ground, but Hill has kind of been an unsung guy for them uh, with the injuries to J.K. Dobbins and Keaton Mitchell. He's kind of been the, the everything else guy for them. He has great speed and shiftiness. He'll make a few plays in the run game, uh, catch a few passes out of the backfield to convert, uh, convert first downs. Defensively unsung guy, Michael Pierce is a defensive tackle and he has had stretches um, where just two offensive linemen have to get involved to keep him from just stuffing run plays. And he's still able to get uh, to get, you know, shed those shed those guys and and make stops on first down uh, against the run. So he's another guy there. As for X factor players, I'm actually I'm not going to go with the player here, but rather. I'm going to say first downs, uh, and that's really on both sides of the ball. Offensively, if the Ravens are getting good yardage on first down, 
getting to third and two, third and three, they're so difficult to defend against because every single play is in the book. Every single play is still available to them. They're comfortable running in those spots. They're comfortable with Jackson dropping back to pass. And also just because he can get two, three yards almost whenever he wants. So getting to third and 10, getting them to third and 12 is really where they don't want to be. And Jackson may try to force some things uh, in those situations if they're down. Then on the other side of the ball, the one area of the Ravens defense that at times has fallen below expectations has been stopping the run. So if the Chiefs can get five to six yards a pop on early downs without Mahomes having to make every play, and then he's just getting into second and short, third and short, that's obviously a, a recipe a recipe for success for them. But for a final prediction, you know, I'm sorry, guys, but I, I really think that this Ravens team just has too much firepower on both sides of the ball. The Ravens offense has had games this season where they've had bad quarters, bad halves, and then you look up and they've scored 30 points with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. They started poorly against the 49ers. They ended up with 33 points. They had 14 points 20 minutes into their, their Dolphins game, and they ended with 56. And they had 10 against the Texans at halftime last week, and they ended up with 34. And that's probably not their best unit. The defense is probably the better unit if you had to pick pick one. So I think even even with a slow start, a reasonably slow start, I think they're going to keep coming at the Chiefs in waves. And, and I'm not sure that this version uh, of Kansas City can can keep up. So I, I have it at 31-23 Ravens, uh, with the Chiefs looking back disappointed at a few drives where they got three instead of instead of seven. Well, we would expect nothing less from from a uh, Ravens podcaster. But Antonio, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, best of luck this weekend. Yeah, you you too as well. Should be a great game. Looking forward to it. Totally agree. I know it's not a flock of Ravens; it's a murder of Ravens, which is just wild, right? Isn't, very, it, isn't it a murder of Ravens, like Edgar Allan Poe style? That's exactly what I was going to say. It's very kind of goth. Yeah. Uh, we hit on some interesting things there, and I do think he's right that the Chiefs can't find themselves in second and three and second and four on defense. They have to be a little bit more stout on first down than they were, especially in the first half with the Bills. I kind of want to see them do uh, sort of what they did, I think, beat uh, Jalen Hurts last year in the Super Bowl, and to some extent, Josh Allen in the second half here, and that's second and long, third and long. Put those guys in those situations where they play a little bit more hero ball. He said it himself. That's where you want Lamar. You want Lamar at third and nine, at third and 12, because that's when he's going to make a boneheaded interception or run around like crazy and hold the ball too long and fumble it. What's interesting to me is, you know, they were, the Ravens have had some slow starts, as he was mentioning, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they can start slow against Kansas City, not just because of um, – if the Chiefs score, they have to play from behind. But every single game, it feels like the Chiefs' defense gets better. So if the Ravens start off slow, I wouldn't expect the Ravens offensively to all of a sudden go on some outburst. If they don't score early, they might not score much at all. Because again, the Chiefs' defense gets better as the game goes on. Um, Half-time adjustments. Is, Steve yeah. Spagnuolo, especially in the playoffs. So I'm thinking right here is if the Ravens start off slow, if they score 10 in the first half, they're losing that game. Like, I don't care how good the Ravens defense is because we have seen time and time again, Mahomes will decimate the number one ranked defense in the NFL. That does not bother him. Lamar's not gone up against a defense, at least in Kansas City, that's this quality, this sound with this much depth. So I'm just sitting here going, if the Ravens start off slow, Man, I, I would hate their odds. And Todd Munkin, he has not faced Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs before. That was uh, Greg Roman in all those previous iterations of the Ravens team. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I'm with you. The only exception I would say to that is if the Chiefs don't take care of the football, if they're heavily penalized, you know, if they do some of these self-inflicted wounds that have kind of plagued their season, then I, I do think that Baltimore can come back and beat them. But I would love for them to defer. You know, I, I, I kind of worry about this chief team when, when uh, Andy defers in the playoffs, because my biggest fear is that they'll just milk the clock 
and keep Patrick Mahomes off the off the field. And it's not just keeping him off the field. When you have these 14 play drives, what do you do? You condense the game. You condense the number of drives that Patrick Mahomes has available to him. So that's just less opportunities for Mahomes magic and for Andy Reid to pull something out of a hat. Uh, I, I don't know that this Ravens team is really built to have those kind of possessions all game long. They're kind of explosive at times. Yeah. Well, what I said even before this game was going to happen, right? As the Chiefs play the Dolphins and the Bills, I was laughing saying, I can look ahead. Obviously, the players can't look ahead. They're looking forward to the Bills. But I said, if the Chiefs play the Ravens or the Niners, you have to play a different style. Against the Dolphins and the Bills, you can play a little messier as we saw and still win. You can have mm-hmm. some turnovers. You can stall in the red zone and settle for field goals. You can also focus on Kelsey and Rice and get away with it. But against the Ravens and I think the Niners to an extent, you have to have a tertiary wide receiver. I'm not saying run the ball with Pacheco. That's a given. But as far as Rice and Kelsey, you have to have a third guy step up. Okay. MVS stepped up last week. You have to have the exact same thing against the Ravens. You have to have, whether it's McCole Hardman, Justin Watson, McCole can't fumble twice and recover one. He can't go for one total yard in the game. Justin Watson can't have a bad drop. Uh, you, you know, MVS has to continuously do what he did, which two catches for 62 yards. Like that has to be the norm, not the outlier when all season long, that has been the outlier is if those guys step up. So I'm sitting here going, as much as we want to talk about Rice and Kelsey and Mahomes, as Aaron Schatz pointed out, he's not worried about Mahomes having a great game. It's can these tertiary receivers and weapons, can they step up and make the play? Again, I know no one wants to hear it here in Kansas City. Quite frankly, I don't want to hear it here because that does not give me a lot of confidence. But all those games, all the struggles that all season long has plagued these these Chiefs wide receivers is going to come to a head, okay? Hopefully they've learned. Hopefully those mistakes don't happen again. The team has trusted in them. NVS gave that trust back in spades against the Bills. Now it's got to happen against the Ravens. Yeah, I'm scared because I do not trust those ancillary options one bit. I mean, you mentioned it with McColl. He had... I don't know, what was it? Two touches, one yard, two fumbles, one fumble lost. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, Yeah. I don't know what else you can say. I mean, we're just going to have to cross our fingers and hope that they can really bring it. Oh, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about some of these guys bringing it. Um, I'm more, again, I get what you're saying. I'm worried with McColl, but I, I do think there is a little something to play off MVS. Call me crazy. Uh, you can call me crazy for a multitude of reasons, and maybe this just adds on to why I'm crazy. Is playoff MVS a real thing? Because he's had his best games for Kansas City, it seems like, in the playoffs. I don't know why. It makes no sense. you think you'd play tighter and the drops would actually be more prevalent. But he has been a big game performer, it seems like, for the Chiefs. It's interesting. And I wonder if Tony comes back. Make me more crazy here. Oh, God. Tony's best game for Kansas City came in the Super Bowl. Just saying. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> bad. He wasn't bad in the wild card. Was it the wild card or the divisional? I guess it was the divisional last year. He wasn't He wasn't bad. I've got a question for you. On that Justin Watson drop, the one that hit him right in the chest, yeah. I believe that was a third down where Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and Travis Kelsey were all off the field. I never want to see that again as long as this season lasts, because I'm sitting there before the snap. Where does Mahomes go? He's sitting there thinking in his head, I have no one out here that I really trust. I have no semblance of a security blanket. What am I going to do? And I, I think I just don't understand why Andy Reid does that, takes all of his primary playmakers off the field. So I wanted to pick your brain to see if you had any insight there. Yeah, it sucks ass. <laughs> I mean, I don't the most you. eloquent you've ever been. I, I mean, I know dudes have 
to get off the field because they're tired. Like, for example, Isaiah Pacheco had a long, hard, tough run. He came off, and that's why they did that little end around. But again, don't overthink it. Go with Clyde up the gut. Clyde's been running effectively. Like, I do think at times the Chiefs overthink things. I just would not like to see all three of those guys off at the same time. If you want to think of it as a little different, of course, but as an NBA roster, if you have three superstars, you're always going to have one on the field at a, at a given time, right? You don't always yeah. take the three guys off. You have a rotation, right? When you take off Kelsey Rice and then Pacheco, uh, bad things typically are going to happen. You but, think the, the Bulls were pulling out, uh, you know, Pippen, Rodman, and Kukok all at the same time for Jordan to play out there with a, with a bunch of scrubs? I mean, maybe. But, but in, in football, I, I don't know. There's got to be a way to get all those guys – one of them at least on the field at all times. But I think part of the problem here is Nagy and Reed, the way they use their personnel, they see these guys all as specific tools and not every guy's in every package. I, I would venture to guess that there, there's a package that Kelsey's not in, you know, and there are packages that Rice still doesn't grasp as well as the veterans. They have McCall Hardman for some reason, they still like to use him on these Tyree kill plays that I wish they would just, you know, put them in a burn book, get him out of the playbook. Let's, let's do some end around and handoff stuff to Rasheed Rice like Dallas does with CD lamb. I'd, I'd love to see that. That guy has an elite 10 yard split in the 40. I think he's got enough bursts to do it. Do you think Rasheed Rice would have fumbled coming around that corner? Uh, I will also say the reason why I keep saying it might come down to the tertiary, tertiary guys for the Chiefs. How many big playoff moments have come from unsung offensive heroes? Damien Williams, MVS, Sammy Watkins. So again, Sammy Watkins, obviously a great player, but that's not Tyreek and that's not Travis Kelsey, right? That was the, the third guy. Um, Marcus Kemp in a game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in here going, who is the next unsung player who we might not be thinking about who's going to step up and put his name down in Chiefs lore? Because it's going to be someone. That's why I'm so focused on guys outside of Rice, Pacheco, and Kelsey because history has shown us they'll get theirs, but there's going to be someone else who we're not thinking who's going to step up big. Here's a guy we haven't mentioned yet. And they've been doing a lot of 12, a lot of 13 personnel. Noah Gray, when his number is called, he has come down with the ball. He's been one of them quietly, one of the more dependable targets in terms of being where he's supposed to be and actually coming down with the rock. And I I think Mahomes trusts him. He looks for him in big moments. I would not be surprised if we see a little bit more Noah Gray this week. Uh, and you would be making me very happy as a guy who's been screaming for more 12 personnel all season long. Look what happens when the Chiefs run 12 and 13. It works. They're good passing out of it too. So before we get out of here, what's your early prediction? You can totally change it. I know it's only Wednesday. What's your early prediction? Oh, man, you're making this tough. I know. Um, I think the Ravens are a great team. Me too. I think they're a damn good team. I've been high in them all season long. They've been one of my little uh, non-Chiefs crushes. 27-24 Chiefs. I think the Chiefs get it done. This is one of the few games where the Chiefs actually don't have the special team advantage. I said going into the Bills game, special teams are going to play an integral part in what happened. (laughs) Sure did play a big part in that one. I do think there is something to the fact that you cannot quantify what the Chiefs are able to do in the playoffs. As great as the Ravens have been all season long, when the lights come on, who are you trusting? Lamar Jackson, who I think is a great quarterback. I think he's a great, great quarterback. Or Patrick Mahomes, who plays great no matter the competition. I like the Chiefs' defense. I like the Chiefs' offensive line. I think they find a way to get it done. And Mahomes will have two or three back-breaking runs, just as important as anything Lamar can do with his legs. And the Chiefs will win. 27 24. Yeah, call us homers, but this is uncharted territory for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now, it's not for John Harbaugh, but it is for that entire roster almost. So I think the lights are going to be very bright. The pressure will be immense. And Kansas City, I mean, nobody has more experience than them. Uh, Andy Reid, and I mean, even going back to Philadelphia, Steve Spagnolo, even going back to some of those wars he coached with the Giants. This team will be ready. And if, you know, Baltimore comes out tight, 
if they make some early mistakes, I think the Chiefs will know how to capitalize. I think they'll have a brilliant game plan on both sides of the ball, and it's going to come down to not making stupid penalties, not turning it over, because we know they're probably not going to generate a bunch of turnovers. That's just not how the Chiefs play defense. They eliminate explosive plays. Uh, that's what they did so brilliantly last week against Josh Allen. They limited him to what? Uh, an A dot of four. And and then I think the Chiefs just, just have to, when they get in the red zone, they have to finish. That's the thing for this week. I think that would be my message to this team if I was the coaching staff, finish. Just how we're finishing this show? or that's Yeah, just how we're finishing this show. That's all we've got for you guys today. Props to our chat. We appreciate you. Please mash that like button and that uh, subscribe button if you haven't already. Audiopod listeners, five-star reviews on either Spotify or Apple. Really help us. We've been growing, uh, growing fast. We want to grow faster. Join us next Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. right here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. Until then... It is Super Bowl or bust. Go Chiefs. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.